0: And thanks to Crime Malt, this is Radio Brews News. I'm Matt Kierkegaard, founder of Australian Brews News. And the cranky guy you're going to hear next is my good friend, despite what some people have said in the comments this week, co-host and all-round great guy, Pete Mitchum. Pete, welcome back. G'day, Matt.
1: G'day, listeners. (laughs) I tell you what, I couldn't be more interested to be here today than if I'd just drunk a great big bowl of interest and been smacked over the head with an interest stick. Mate, is that... Sorry, was that was that a bit caricatured? <laughs> that was a little bit well, snide no, might be the
0: word. But anyway, so yes, so as you'll hear at the end of the program, um, a couple of people commented that uh, Pete. Uh, well, actually, no, there wasn't Pete. There was a there was a little bit of niggle in in last week's show, which. Uh, um,
1: I don't yeah, go I'd go as far as to say, I, 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 look, I don't, um, I, in all honesty, haven't had a chance to listen back to last week. Because I, 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 you know, my own worst critic, and I'm, I'm more than happy to press the honesty button and say it wasn't my best work. Um, probably caught at just a, a bit of a bad time uh, with lots of things going on and uh, and, and just trying to focus. Um, yeah, probably, yeah, could have done better.
0: I don't know about you. I hate listening back to these shows, not because of the guests, but because I hate listening to myself. Um, and, and to be perfectly honest, I was boring myself last week with uh, my rant. It was something that sometimes I just get a head of steam up. And I
1: often good sit down and listen, might like to try the same. If you do get a little bit bored, perhaps, when you're listening to it, um, just write down random um, time signatures, you know, like five minutes, 16 seconds, or, you know, 10 minutes, 18 seconds, something like that, um, and put them in little boxes. And then when I do get to have a word, just see if it's come <laughs> close to one of those those times. Prof. Chat's Bingo, we call it, and uh, I, I I actually play it while we're recording live. Um, just wonder, oh just oh could oh no, missed that spot. Couldn't, no, no. no, no opportunity. <laughs> oh, there's an opening. No, I missed it. Uh,
0: yeah. Anyway, and, and that's mate. As, as you know, I take all of that on. Um, yeah, I I wear it so. Um, I do, yeah. That's fine. But but so all talk, good. it's all fun. But the the first rule of radio is upset your audience and say things. And you're the good guy, you know. You you never say anything that mildly upsets people, except for that intro, um, which no doubt may give some cards and letters. You're but in? Get over. I, the... I, I look, I I, I I don't know. But okay. anyway, um, yeah, well, no, I, 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 I do I'll need. I'll have
1: a listen back, but I I thought it sounded genuine at this end.
0: Anyway, enough, enough. Um, yes, so sorry, listeners. There, there, there is lots of love and light and happiness in, in this recording studio today, so uh, no worries. But we are, um, we'll get straight on to our first guest. Um, caught up last night with Chris Herring from uh, Queensland Craft Brewery uh, Bed and Brow. Um, had an interesting chat with him, um, and uh, we'll find out a little bit about uh, from Chris about the brewery himself, about the brewery that he and his partner Tanya um, have uh, built up. But also just some interesting issues that uh, one of their new beers um, raises about, you know, maybe another nail in the uh, coffin of craft beer. So um, let's just uh, go and have a chat to Chris Herring.
2: and Brown, we started, well, the business started in 2007 and the brewery put its first beer out way back in 2008. Um, Basically, Tanya and I back then, if everyone remembers back then, lots of pubs bought out with pretty bland beers, pokies, prominent. And, you know, going to a pub wasn't really fun. There was nothing really nice to drink or anything to that nature. And, you know, we were all, like a lot of the Queenslander guys were like sitting there making their own home brewing, you know. We decided to put our money where our mouth was and start a brewery.
0: And that was when you were in South Australia at that stage?
2: Yes, yeah. So we uh, started in a classic... Uh, very poor world of an old industrial shed in uh, Parra Hills West, right across the road from an airport. So nothing too flash, I can tell you that.
0: <laughs> and, and and you moved back to your home state of Queensland uh, two years ago now, two and a half years oh, ago? Actu- yeah,
2: well, actually, we are actually originally South Australian, so Queensland's now our new home state. Yeah, so we arrived up here in uh, 2012, Uh, we sort of shut down the operations in uh, South Australia in about the end of 2011, moved all the equipment up to a a nice property we bought out in Tambourine Village and uh, plunked the brewery back in there and uh, slowly fought a long battle with the council to start our brewery up again. (laughs)
0: which is probably uh, uh, something else that we can uh, talk about. But tell us a little bit about your uh, approach to brewing. Um, you, you've got the beard and brow range, but your approach is very much farmhouse ales, isn't it?
2: Yeah, so after sort of developing the beer brewery and, and getting our skills in down in South Australia and seeing where the market is and seeing what we could actually do and what our real favourites and type of things were doing. And yeah, so... Our move to Queensland was really around, we sort of have a saying, we've gone beyond craft, we've gone back to the farms. So we've sort of really more focused around where we source our ingredients and using some old traditional ingredients and a lot of things that sort of grow as weeds, et cetera, around the farm, which is all nice because it's free ingredients, uh, are now starting moving into our beer. And as well as more of the uh, traditional farmhouse, Belgian, French, North Belgian, France farmhouse ale style of breweries. You know where every little village had their own brewery. You know. So, so tell us a little bit about your beers. So the beers, are probably our two most prominent beers now are actually two um, farmhouse yeast based beers. So we're talking, we go very, very traditional. we very, very traditional to style as much as you can. So we use very, very locally sourced mal- malts, but we use the uh, a Saison Champagne hybrid yeast. And then, you know, we'll use local ingredients like honey and, uh, and elderflower and a few other bits and pieces when we feel like it into these beers. And then these beers are actually then fermented on lees, so a proper method noir, And then you'll probably, they're at least aged in our cellar for at least six months on before they're actually released in bottles. Um, they occasionally put into kegs um, and they're, they're a pricey number as well. But uh, yeah, so they're our two prominent ones. And then we do a lot more of uh, we do it, we have a double IPA in a stout, which is an old English milk stout. Um, and then we have some couple old traditional beers, uh, Calif- a very true Californian common. And uh, probably the most uh, standard one of our beers is just a good uh, English amber ale that sort of went on an American holiday, just a good smashing session amber. But uh, typically these days it's uh, more of the uh, farmhouse bottle matured and, and more of the bigger styles of beers. But then we do a lot of beers of little one-off flavors into kegs. So recently we've just done a uh, sour beer called Miley's Mulberry Tart where we added a whole heap of mulberries which were growing around the farm and the river and that went into the beer as a a uh, post-secondary ferment in the fermenter. So you've got this literally a nice little tart mulberry refreshing beer. And we've got another one out recently where we've made with a whole heap of stinging nettle, which is great because we have two acres of that. So slashing stinging nettle and using the beer was, was helpful for the property as well as the beer. So we do a lot of one-off beers into kegs. is probably, probably about 80% of our volume these days, really.
1: Chris, do you get any, um, with the, either the mulberries or the nettles, do you find do you get any uh, sort of yeast that's sitting on the skins or, or within it uh, that can make the, the beer, uh, shall we say, unique from batch to batch?
2: Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but no, we're a little bit more uh, sterile as brewers. So the mulberries were uh, made into uh, a boiled up kumquat. So effectively, we pasteurized the buggers oh, and then okay. filled that down and then added that as a liquid. Um, specifically when you start getting into brewing fermenters and when you start talking about cleaning nooks and crannies, So if you, you don't want to be adding little seeds and stalks or anything <laughs> into your fermenters, you know. It's not... Uh, they're not the easiest things to clean and they tend to block spray balls when they want to and stuff like that. So... And then the nettle was... Um, in the case of the nettle, was really interesting. We actually went through a pretty long process of picking the nettle at different stages and actually trialling at... Um it's either dried or fresh and um we found that the dried nettle provided the nicest flavours and the most stable flavours. So firstly it was dried, so that was out in the sun for a day or so. So you're killing off whatever's on that and then they're actually added into the boil as a hot. So once again the yeast etc. has been pasteurized on those boards. But it is a vision we are definitely looking forward to trying to um we've got a friend uh, who's uh, works in the yeast game for one of the big breweries. So she's, uh, we're trying to work with her to see if we can actually have our own yeast strain that's grown down on the river. That'd be amazing.
0: Mate, one of the reasons I wanted to chat to you uh, today is you know, the, 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 what I know about uh, Beer and Brow and what I know about you and your approach to brewing and uh, you know the, the farmhouse and using wild ingredients. It is, in so many ways, the, you know, when people use that um, sort of nebulous term, craft beer, Um, It's what they think of, you know, a small scale, you and your partner Tanya um, in a farmhouse crafting beers that give effect to your vision of how beer can be, um, very much along those lines. But last night uh, when we were talking, you were telling me about the new uh, gluten-free beer that you are um, bringing out or that you've been bringing out for a while. Maybe we could start by telling us a little bit about that beer and that'll segue into the next part of the conversation. Yeah, for
2: sure. Okay, so um, for your listeners, there is a blog about It's called the Scare You Brew, was the first trial brew of this, it's spelled E-W-E. Um, it was for a scarecrow festival that we have up on the mountain. You know, we're quirky people around here. But there is a blog on our Facebook page, et cetera, about sort of some of the reasonings and logic. And basically, it was interesting. Um, Tanya started actually getting pretty crook. And um, you know, looking into diets, etc. We have a pretty healthy living out here because you can't get takeaways or anything to that nature. So you do have to live healthy. But um, your Tanya's health was waning a little bit, and we're having a look into the diet. And, and uh, you know, and probably we were thinking that maybe she's getting, you know, what the new fatty thing is, is maybe a bit of gluten intolerance. Um, and I probably also, I don't know if you guys got to see. Uh, I think it was a couple of nights ago, Catalysts. There was a whole uh, show on ABC, Catalysts, about gluten-free and gluten intolerance and celiacs, etc. Like that. So Tanya's far from a celiac. But it was very interesting about what they were talking about, the new fat of gluten intolerance. And potentially potentially Tanya doesn't have a gluten problem, but there is other things inside the gluten process and wheats, which are other finer sugars, which potentially are... What people have trouble with, but anyway, so we went down this gluten free-ish or gluten reduced path. But um, when it came to making the beer, um, very totally different brewing processes you need to pretty much do to, to make beer out of the traditional gluten free ba- grains, you know, sorghum, millet, uh, those type of grains, and um, you know they're not they're, they're interesting grains in themselves um, from a grain perspective. So, yeah, so that was sort of the reasoning behind it. So we went we went down this path because Tanya was feeling a bit crook, hard work if you want to cut gluten out being a brewer. Uh, <laughs> and we were looking for maybe something that uh, could give us a result that would be uh, acceptable, I guess. And so this brewer's clarex was getting used quite common, well, probably getting regular in the US. And so we did some research into that. And so we did a trial with this beer called the Scare You Brew. So yeah, so that, is that a good
0: enough explanation? Yeah, getting into it? yeah. I, okay, so the, the, the long and the short of it is you're making a, whereas a lot of the gluten-free beers available in Australia have used alternate grains than malt and barley, which are um, grains that uh, contain gluten, you've gone another way where you're making uh, malt, uh, barley and wheat malt beers, um, but you use a, a an enzyme called uh, Brewer's Clarex that breaks down um, those uh, proteins or the, the, the gluten proteins to render them effectively gluten-free. Is that a fair summary?
2: Yes. I mean, the ter- that is a very good summary. Um, but I suppose the first thing we've got to really clarify what gluten-free and the term gluten-free means in Australia because it is a legislated food statement. So gluten-free is... So probably when we talk talking about this and so we don't talk about gluten-free, we we'll just say it's gluten-reduced or gluten-eliminated because I, I definitely don't want to uh, stifle in the legislation. And I'm actually a big supporter of that. I'm quite a conservative person after working in a... Uh, being, being quite a senior person in the blood service for many years. So um, when you have a piece of legislation, it's there to define the rules, and, and gluten-free is clearly defined in Australia.
0: Yep, yeah, and uh, great. Yeah, so we'll call it gluten-reduced. And I, I first became aware of this... Um, uh, I think Pure Blonde started making the suggestion that they were gluten reduced or um, along the same ways, and I was looking into the processes that they may have used, and one of those was this uh, enzyme brewers clarex, and uh, I, I find it fascinating um, having you know listened to you talk about your very much farmhouse style. Um, and talking you know and when you think about craft beer what it means and even in in the u.s um, you know the 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 notion of traditional is a big part of the definition of what makes a craft brewer and enzymes have always had that you know uh, non-natural enzymes or non-naturally occurring in the brewing process enzymes tend to be scorned at and you know they're they're used to you know the use of um, hop extracts, or the use of enzymes, or some of the modern industrial brewing processes, are seen as some of the hallmarks of a non-craft beer. Um, so, was, was there a difficult decision for you to make, you know, given your approach to brewing, to use uh, techniques that probably aren't in that, you know, widely you know, widely accepted concept of craft brewing?
2: Uh, yeah, it was a long conversation with Tan and I, but um, and yeah, it was it's definitely probably a, a little step sideways, but I suppose at the end of the day, when when we talk about we're brewers and um, brewing is a really really well studied evolutionary science, and that's part of being a very good brewer and making a good product. and and people will scorn at me calling beer a product, but that's sort of, you're making this thing that people are consuming and and it's got to be of an acceptable quality and and of safety and of efficacy. So, you know, we are scientists and, you know, to say, so even over traditional times, even though they are doing bits and pieces and using these other things, you know, I mean, the invention of hops is probably a classic example of, well, should we only be using heather and myrtle and those type of traditional herbs because that's all we can do as craft brewers because hops is one of those new adjunct additives technically in the brewing traditions, you know. So and why do we use hops? Because we understand the science, et cetera, like that. So I suppose I, I see in the world being a sort of professional brewer, et cetera, like that, and, you know, part of becoming a good brewer and a, and a well-rounded brewer is actually understanding and using these type of things and seeing their impact. Not all enzymes are enzymes, you know, not everything we would add into our beers because they have undesirable after impacts in the brewing process. And then a lot of the time, most of the enzymes that you are adding into the brewing game, the the typical ones that everyone knows about, the amylases and the the low carb ones, you can typically, they typically happen anyway. It's just the way about how you process them through them and how much time and care, etc. you want to go through that. So... In the case of, you know, this Bloor's it's it sort of naturally occurs, but not in huge volumes. It's an interesting new step potentially in the change of the processed food world even to an extent. It's, yeah, it's an interesting one. But at the end of the day, we're craft brewers, yes, because of probably the styles and technique of our brewery, but we're also scientific brewers, so we're always looking to to the next step as well.
0: And it is yeah. and look, at that, I mean that's a really good summary because uh, you know, brewers do need to modernise, and and I've said on this uh, show a couple of times that you know the, the beers that people are enjoying, no matter how crafty, are fundamentally different to beers you know they've never existed in history before because our ability to control temperature and ferment and um, you know every aspect of the brewing process is so much more advanced, and we've reaped the benefit of. Uh, of modern technology to do that. Um, and somehow people think that we're recapturing the flavours of yesteryear when beers have never tasted... E- even the craftiers of craft beers have never tasted like they once did.
2: I reckon one of my first beers that I put... Uh, that I made uh, in the brewery that never got released probably tasted one of yesteryear.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. So one, one of those uh, early bread beers from uh, Egypt. But... Uh, but and, 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 and the thing that... Um, you know, really intrigues me about this, and uh, you know, I, I think it's a, a great example for people who, you know, ponder these things. Is um, this brewers' clerics that we were talking about? And I, we, we probably should give listeners who don't understand enzymes, uh, are effectively catalysts that can break down, can facilitate the um, breakdown of uh, things like proteins in, in the brewing process to make the, um, and they occur naturally in the brewing process to break the starches down into sugars that yeast can ferment. Um, they can be added to the brewing process to further enhance that process in, in the case of low-carb beers. And the brewer's Clarax that we're um, talking about was initially developed um, to solve the problem of chill haze um, that, that occurs in brewing, where it broke down the proteins that um, essentially coagulated, became visible in beer, gave the beer a cloudy appearance um, that wasn't pleasing to, to beer drinkers. and often you know, gave the impression that beer was old. Um, and so it was developed to help facilitate that as an alternative to over-filtering beer or highly filtering the beer, um, and it was a very effective um, enzyme. And we found that in addition to doing that task, it also has this ability, the proteins that it breaks down um, render um, beer as uh, low-gluten or um, you know, uh, give, give it the functional purpose that, you found for your beer, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So Blue's Clarics actually comes from Netherlands. Um, it's only one guys who make it, and so the process that we went through to really stress out this enzyme, because I sort of mentioned sort of enzymes do different flavors, etc. And like you know, the low carb one, you, you drink enough of that, it's still going in your stomach. You actually don't. You got to pass that one. It still stays alive. So that's why we did sort of a, a mid-strength Australian pale ale, so we wanted to really see if there was going to be any real major impacts. The other most interesting thing about this one, there's a fair bit of literature on that the gluten rejoins, which is quite an interesting process. So we deliberately, well we have a pretty rudimentary process, so we did a whole heap of bottles which we second re-fermented as well, and to give the carbonation. And that's, and. that's uh, we then went through the testing process through another certified laboratory. It's a uh, we did a double assay test on the, the, the bottled beer, which is the final test that you have to achieve and get the green tick to label your product gluten free. One that's one element. That's one element out of many of the gluten free status. And uh, yeah, and this test is uh, is uh, the uh, lower l- limit and that they. Report on is less than 10 parts per million, but the double assay test gives you a, a result less than five parts per million in the test. And in the case of our beer, we actually had undetectable. So I don't really, so we're, we're less than five parts per million, so it's definitely almost gluten eliminated, you know. And to tell you the truth, you know, some of your gluten free bars on the shelf would be something like eight parts per million gluten in them, you know, which will be, so that's sort of the, the science behind. all the outcomes and the results, yeah.
0: Yeah, the the Brewer's clarics has been approved by the food standards of Australia and New Zealand. And uh, I I guess the thing that really um, intrigues me about it is um, the application describes it as it's an endoprotease. Now, we won't go into that, Um, but it's produced by a genetically modified strain of Aspergillus niger containing additional copies of the endoprotease gene from a niger. The intended technological function of this endoprotease is to reduce haze formation in beer during cold storage. So it's been approved for that. But again, when you listen to some of those other words in there, um, you talk about genetically modified. um, Aspergillus uh, Niger is a is a black mold, or it's derived from black mold, I think. Um, You know, and and it's in a lab. And these again, um, these are all concepts that don't come naturally um, to the minds of people who are talking craft beer. And you know, we last week's podcast, uh, Prof and I talked about the. Um, beer the beautiful truth campaign that uh, line are running where they're um, talking about these very natural brewing processes and yet and and there's no talk about genetically modified uh, strains of Aspergi- uh, aspergillus niger um, there's no talk about high gravity brewing do you think that you know we, we need to move away from some of that romanticized view of what brewing is and embrace the fact that it is a very highly evolved technology you know technology in all of its forms, whether, you know, so-called craft breweries or mainstream breweries?
2: Yeah, it's a, that's a good question. Well, I mean, it's an interesting one. I mean, um, you probably could think it more from the difference between whole unprocessed food versus processed. It's been probably one of the most processed things out in the world, and is it just a part of its processing evolution rather than if we go to the Whole Foods as we made the joke, you know, we're drinking out of clay pots and, and having two from carbon juice sitting in it. So, yeah, it's, I mean, the whole genetically modified thing is a really interesting situation. I'll give you an indication, we put 30 milliliters in a 1,000 litres of this stuff. So um, the actual parts per million of what we add is, is absolutely stuff and none. It's quite amazing with the results that we get. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's, I don't know the GM stuff because then you've also got the issue of GM foods. But then you also have a look at okay, Galaxy hops. Would if would, that's a genetically modified hop? Yes.
0: Is it genetically modified or crossbred?
2: Yeah, I think it's GM, isn't it by CSIRO? I don't
1: Prof? know. It's kind of like nylon. I, I'm happy to wear it, but I have no idea how it works. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I, well, I mean because I, I, I knew it was a long time in a lab in the CSIRO, so I thought they'd probably they may have done genetic mapping and gone these two and these two gone go together to probably would be bother. But still, I mean effectively that's the same thing. you know, splicing plants, et cetera like that that is splicing genes, isn't it? So is that you know that so is it genetically just because it's done in a lab with in a petri dish, is that different than doing genetic modification in the dirt?
0: I don't know, but I think these are exactly it's the it's discussions.
2: Great,
0: yeah. yeah, exactly the discussions I wanted to have because, uh, you know, looking at some of the other beers that are gluten free, um, Cause Brewing Company, which I don't think causes anyone's definition of craft beer, um, they've brought out a, a gluten free beer um, and they make a big point um, in their marketing of saying that we didn't use brewers' Clarax, we wanted to be more natural. Um, and it just shows that, you know, brewers are willing to. Um, you know, the, the big brewers are willing to embrace some things and diss some things, depending on what the ultimate marketing aim is. So, but I, I guess uh, look, we're, 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 any listeners that aren't bored uh, already, um, we probably uh, can become a little bit too boffinish about it all. Where can uh, people? How, how widely distributed are your beers? Oh,
2: we're sort of like in a in lot of the little boutique stops in uh, Brisbane. Um, so you've sort of got malt traders and craft in in Brizzy, and then. Uh, There'll be, you know, we, we have our taps pop it up in all of the regular good flows areas. At the moment, if you can get there pretty soon at Bloodhound, they've got the Mrs. B's stinging metal at the moment this week. So if it lasts that long. So it's a really, really interesting, some really interesting flavours with that. Very surprising. You can understand why they actually use those type of things. And then there's a couple of places down the Gold Coast. You can buy us down there. And then pretty prominent around here up the mountain. So if fair few... Quite most of the bottle shops around the mountain and pubs around the mountain and down here in the village have the beers and then you'll, you'll see us in South Australia and Victoria and northern New South Wales as well.
0: Terrific. Oh, uh, Chris Herring, thank you very much for joining us on Radio Brews News. Um, all the best uh, with, with the beers and uh, look forward to catching up with you again one day very soon. Great, right, guys. Good speaking with you. In the garden,
1: what a garden
0: And, uh, yes, we thank Brewpack for not only making a whole lot of great craft beers possible, but also for making this podcast possible. Yeah, so I don't know whether you agree, but I just sort of find that sort of uh, semantic discussion fascinating.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mm. Um, especially in terms of the, you know, at the end of the day, if people want to be... Super craft, then you'd say, okay, well, yeah, be drinking out of out of clay pots, naturally fermented, unhopped, you know, sweet wort, whatever. Um, so at every point in the evolution of beer, we've we've, um, if you like, created a process.
0: Yeah, and 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 that's the thing, and you know, like I I, I love and I use it ad nauseum this discussion about cheese you know you've got your craft cheese singles that nobody has the same hatred of craft cheese singles that they do for you know low carb beers um or whatever but they are just one stop on the continuum of what is cheese and you go right through from your block cheddars to your sort of farmhouse um aged you know two or three year age cloth
1: wrapped cave aged
0: absolutely and you can do all of that but no one gets all upset about you know most people, uh, you know, particularly if you've got kids, will have uh, cheese sticks or you know plastic wrapped cheese slices in in, in your fridge, um, and not give it any thought when it comes to beer. It's a little bit funny. I guess you know everyone decides for themselves at what point um, you know they stop viewing it as being something that they want to drink. I don't know, as you said, you know, nylon's
1: a, a good excuse.
0: Yeah. Oh, a yeah. good example.
1: Good example, um, yeah. Some, some things you just kind of go, I, I, there's not enough room in my brain to sort of, to fit in all of the um, the variables and every side of every argument. So sometimes you just got to go, just enjoy the beer.
0: Yep. And, but does that then, you know, the, these, the, the craft brewing... You can always stop drinking movement.
1: a particular beer once you find out more about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, and I think we have the, I think the the thing that's sometimes lost in the in the overall argument, you know, is the is the fine detail which is we have choice. You and I even when we first met uh, at the local tap house in security, you know, we were talking about how amazing is this, you know, and you were talking about oh gee, it'd be great to have you know choice um, in Brisbane at some point, and yeah. then a mere ten years later. Yeah, you know it's 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 booming, it's burgeoning. So we have the advantages now that I, I think perhaps a lot of the newer drinkers don't appreciate um, that it, if you don't like a beer, it doesn't. Oh, now I can't drink beer because it's, you know <laughs> it's mainstream A or mainstream B. If I don't like one or the other, well, you know I'm, I'm I'm drinking wine or whatever. Now at least we have uh, I can I can choose regional. I can choose you know under a thousand liters. I can Choose barrel aged. I can choose, you know, salad for six months before it's bottled, and or you know what, I can just have a nice, easy, you know, it's kind of crafty, you know, but it's owned by a big company, uh, and you can make all those decisions. Yeah, but I I guess for me,
0: what does that mean for craft beer, Um, for 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 small brewers, because. if you know, a, a big part of the marketing of pretty much all small brewers has been we are different to the big guys. You know, um, and, you know whether it's that they call them macro industrial beer or you know bland yep. or you know in, in industrial beer or you know, it's chemicals or you know all of those things that at some time or other small brewers have, you know, used to differentiate the thing that they're making and give themselves a competitive advantage in the advantage in the marketplace. Um, you know, when, when you see somebody and Chris is a great example. When you hear them making beers out of stinging nettles, you know, on their their mountain retreat in, you know, southeast Queensland, it's exactly what people think of when they think of craft beer. And yet they're using one of the most highly refined, advanced processing aids that you can get in brewing and think nothing of it because it
1: just gives them the beer that they want to make. It's Um, the next step on the continuum. Yeah, uh, this this so, is available. And look, the, uh, I think you know, getting back to last week's episode and, and Rob Rominski's comment. At the end of the day, I think it comes down to um, who can hear my message. Yep. Um, okay,
0: taking it back then to last week's message. Like um, last week's podcast, I had my uh, rant about the uh, beautiful truth campaign, um, and the beautiful truth. My my point last week was that the beautiful truth campaign. Is very much about making beer seem crafty, um, and they talk about you know, how our beers are crafted. It talks about um, sugar. There's no mention of high gravity brewing. There's no mention of you know, brewers enzymes. There's no, and and that was the point I was making. Shouldn't the big brewers, rather than trying to hide those things that make beer possible, be you know be out there saying, hey, look, we are using these techniques to make beer the way that you want it, where you want it, when you want it. And without us, these things wouldn't be possible. Um, And being really, really open and educating people um, about things like Brewer's clerics and why they're used and how they're used, um, rather than making them appear through their campaign as a really dirty little secret.
1: Certainly the big breweries have the advantage of, of marketing budgets. So they they can get whatever message they want. But if you think back, let's use VB as an example, Victoria Bitter. A bitter is an ale style, you know, made famous in, in, in the UK. Um, and at some point in Australia, v, Victoria Bitter, an ale, overnight morphed into Victoria Bitter, the name, but now it's a lager. So it's like saying red wine, and then the next day it's a white wine. Um, so at some point... The big brewery started telling porkies, and 100 plus years later, they're still doing it. And eventually, through you know the good work of people like Australian Brews News and Radio Brews News, they'll get called out. Yeah. Don't okay. Uh, yeah. Look, <laughs> I'm, 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 trust me, I've been lying appears. a long time, Matt. They, they've, <laughs> they, they've been omitting relevant areas of the truth, if not lying, for a century. So I don't think they're going to change. Now, particularly now that they're actually under threat. Before it was, you know, gobble up all the little ones to become a big brewery, um, and either close them down or, or, um, you know, absorb the brands or keep them as heritage brands or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and people, more and more and more and more people kept drinking it and more and more people listened to what their TVs told them or what the, you know, the, um, the sporting team, um, patch on their jersey was, was telling them to drink. But now there's, uh, not only is there an alternative, but people are turning away from the big ones and, and going more to, well, what, let's have a look at the alternative. So it's, I think it's up to us as a, as a community to make sure that our message is getting out there and things like, you know, okay, you know what? Some, maybe some, um, brewing techniques, enzyme enhancement and all that sort of thing is, is perhaps, you know, it's great science, but is it maybe cheating the, you know, the handcrafted label a little bit, um, but then not all enzyme enhancers are, are the same. And I'm pretty sure that uh, bit and Brow,
0: whether they add the enzyme or not, you know, theirs is pretty close to what you would call handcrafted. You know, th- th- there are some craft breweries that are big enough that you know it's a completely closed system. <laughs> There's the only hand uh, crafting involved is pressing buttons, um, and that doesn't make the beer any less good or thing like that. But that, you know. I I visited
1: a a, a, a 100% um, independent, um, true meaning of the word, craft brewery, uh, where, yeah, human hands don't get particularly dirty, um, but it was a magnificent system to see. And uh, it's the same, you know, well, we we don't use wooden casks anymore or great big wooden vats. You know, we've moved to stainless steel. Oh, we're cheating. No, that's actually a really good, um, analogy because Coopers for a long time used their puncheons and, uh, yeah, you
0: know, the, the, the puncheons were great big wooden barrels and out the, at the top they had a bunghole that when they were fermenting the yeast, you know, top good. fermenting beer would force its way through the top. It would be collected in little cups, um, dishes around the top. And then that was the, your next brew yeast collection for, for, for the next brew. And, yeah. uh, you know, that, because of the cost involved in that system and the quality issues involved in that system, they move to
1: you know more modern processes. Because the market demanded, uh, look, I, I love that I love that process, but you know what? I don't want my beer tasting different from batch to batch, or I don't exactly. or I don't want the perception that it might taste different. Um, Pilsner Urquell was the same sort of thing. Oh, you know, it's it's the it's the spe- specific timber that we use, the, you know, in the in the massive barrels and that sort of thing, and, and maybe they maybe they're just timber clad. Now, but that was always, you know, that that was their marketing point, up to the point at which people go, yeah, don't like that variance. So, I mean, do do we just get away from this whole
0: idea of, um, you know, it, 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 it's almost like the, um, you know, to, to to have a really bad, you know, that reclaim Australia movement where they try and come out with very simple messages that can easily be, that's a really bad example. Um, just, you know, the saying craft beer is handcrafted or we're anti-big or anything like that is just a meaningless thing that we need to get away from. And as you say, just find beers you like drinking. And if you're interested enough,
1: do a little bit of research into that beer and how it's made. Yeah, exactly. And uh, to Matt's point there, we, you know, Reclaim Australia, if you go to a you know a beer festival and they're wearing Australian flags as capes and, and you know, Australian Eureka flag balaclavas, perhaps, perhaps steer away <laughs> from that stall.
0: But anything else? Yeah, ninety
1: nine percent Islam free. Our beer is. You know. <laughs> oh, let's not talk about halal. We've <laughs> got a halal reduced drink. beer. Yeah.
0: That well, actually, that said, uh, Guinness has come out and said they're now suitable for vegans. Well, there you go. Yes. There you go. Which, uh, you know, again, big news, seemingly big news, but it, it's it's so making a little bit of a mockery. They've they've stopped using icing glass, which is derived from uh, swim bladders of fish um and it's a clarifying agent um i believe in the same way that brewers clarex is i'm not sure um, uh,
1: yeah as it, it, it brewers clarex is a is is a, a non-vegan is it a, like well actually
0: mate know. that is a really good question like what i I, I don't really understand veganism and listeners uh if i
1: offend you please call in and uh you know uh at Good be matt on uh twitter or the number will be called soon uh, we but, or, or, yeah, look, send us a. Med- we, we'll call you because I know sometimes vegans, you know, the, um, you know, it's very difficult for them to, you know, type the message and <laughs> pick up the phone and that sort of thing. But is yeast a living creature? I believe it is. Well, it's a single cell organism fungus. from the fungus family. Uh, so, so, is it, I not
0: an animal? I guess.
1: It's well, it dip- certainly, look, it it certainly procreates very efficiently and and quickly. It buds, but it buds. It doesn't breed. Yeah. It, it, so I, I don't know. I don't I really know. Do they, they have, yeah. do they have progressive dinners? Do they, I don't know, do they, you know, <laughs> form school councils? Um, are they well, sentient oyster. beings? I'm sure they have oyster. feelings. But because you turn you, you ask a brewer, you turn that mash temperature up, or the, the ferment temperature up a couple of degrees, and all of a sudden it's, ah, oh, it's you know, the gate crashes have arrived at the party. Or, you know, you turn it down. So maybe they do have feelings. Oh, it's a bit cool now. I might just I might just go dormant.
0: At Beer Blokes um, is the Twitter handle to complain to. Um, the bring them on. Listeners.
1: Bring, the,
0: bring the vegan. <laughs> no, but, yeah, no, actually, but the, the, I completely digress um, whether yeast um, is the same as an oyster in terms of um, veganism. But, anyway, um, the icing glass cup. He's, he's having to go with the boy bells now. <laughs> It's uh, so a people's front of Judea here, uh, radio, people's front of Judea. Um, but anyway, yeah, so uh, again, um, look, I think, yeah, um, we have brought back last week, we've uh, chatted about a few new things. Um, anything else new from, from you this week? Pete, one thing I didn't mention last week, I had an absolute thrill um, a couple of weeks ago. Now, um, I was on Richard Feidler's conversations program. So yeah. rather than Radio Brews News, I was on, uh, Real, on radio. Real
1: Radio. Uh, did, did you catch the uh, show, Prof? I didn't. But big fan he of did. Richards from his old, from going back to the big gig days. Yes, he was uh, Anthony Anthony the Doug Anthony All Stars. Yeah.
0: And uh, lovely, lovely guy. And uh, yeah, he was a guest at a lunch uh, that I held a couple of uh, months ago, and uh, was fascinated by uh, the history of beer that I recounted. And uh, so I was on. So if anyone is a podcast listener, which if you're listening to this, you are, um, jump on conversations with Richard Feidler, and you can. If, if too much Matt isn't enough, it's a uh, a, a half an hour of me not ranting at all. Um, so, but that was a, a big thrill. I was very excited to get, um, you know, chatting about beer out
1: to a very serious audience.
0: Uh, anything else for you, Prof? Uh,
1: no, not much. No, it's been a, a very busy week, but not in a beer sort of way. Family, it's that time of year. That's it. Dance, um, it. all that sort of stuff.
0: Okay, well, we might, uh, sail on out. Uh, we'll just do the, uh, feedback and where you can, uh, get us. We had a bit of response to last week's show. Um, Prof, I have to say, for, for the first time, it's been a little bit of, uh, bagging the prof, not, uh, having a go at me. So I'm all for this and we're gonna, I, I won't read, um, Paul Mercurio's email out in full because it's, it's fairly long,
1: but he, uh, he not, was, not as long as the so phone conversation I had with him yesterday. <laughs>
0: But Paul was somewhat surprised, perturbed, and mildly frustrated, and certainly disappointed in the prof's seeming complete lack of interest in the topic of the later half of the podcast. Um, in fact, I think he said couldn't be less interested in regard to false or misleading advertising. Um, now, we've we've already given that a bit of a rework today, and uh, I think Paul can hear that um, it was yeah, it was just one of those things, um, and I. I fully take on board, and I guess I should also link in a Twitter comment that we had from um, Nick Decker, um, who said, what's with the small snipes you blokes have been giving each other in the last few episodes, not easy listening? And that's from at Nick Reked, N I C K R E W K E D. if you want to follow Nick. Um, yeah, look, and I just got back to him and said, look, you know, I'm not easy to listen to at the best of times, and you get me uh, the same on air and off, so... Um, but, but between everybody, I, look, I think we could safely say that there are some issues that fire you up a lot less than me,
1: Prof, and that might have been one of them. Very possibly. Plus, I was just bored to snores. <laughs> no, 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 that's a bit unfair. That, that's a bit unfair. Right, well, Let this, uh, listeners, just you know, as I said in the uh, in our opening, uh, perhaps just caught me at a low ebb, just on just right. on that particular hour of that particular day. So, but probably, no, probably just we, we're there. all good. In, in the in the right headspace.
0: There, there's still a lot so of well, love in this room, listeners. Very um, much so. so, hey, so.
1: Look, oh. hey, don't forget too. You know, 10 a.m. on a Tuesday morning or a Thursday, we we record this shit. So there's no beer involved. Uh, <laughs> sometimes you, just, oh, I would, you know, Homer Simpson I would kill everyone in this room for a sweet <laughs> drop of beer. <laughs> sometimes you just go, you know what? This is this is one of those times for which beer was invented and intended. And I couldn't have one. So exactly. yeah. I threw my bike into the bush and um, cracked the shits and yeah, but that's that's uh, that's all been and gone now. It is,
0: yeah. there is. But uh, but if anyone wants to uh, sort of get in touch with either Prophet Eye, uh, editor of Bruce News, actually I just uh, there was one email um, from last week um, from last week's show. Uh, so let me call it up. The professionalism
1: that yeah. is. The, the cynic uh, in me could could suggest that uh, I deliberately went a bit. Pear shaped so that, you know, I could just see, is anyone actually listening? And it's nice to know that we do get response, the people, you know, um, are listening. So, and
0: and, and they are. I did, that's
1: not not what I did, but as I say, I could be cynical and say that I did. But we know that you
0: did. not Paul Pacey, who we shouted out to last week, um, said, I really enjoyed the conversation between you both today. I especially liked hearing crows, currawongs, butcher birds in the background. Uh, Matt, whereabouts in Brisbane do you live? Uh, I'm actually very central. I'm at Kelvin Grove. But there's also a little bit of a chirping and whistling coming from profend. So uh, we I've
1: will, got we least, Eastern Rosellas, uh, Crimson Rosellas, and uh, a couple of noisy miners and some um, uh, wattlebirds. So, uh, and oh, sorry, as with everybody eaters, on honey this... Honeyeders are around at the moment. There were some fledglings.
0: As with everybody on this show, uh, all unpaid... Yes, just bonus content for you dear listener Um, but Paul also says seriously guys it was good to listen to you guys talking about beer and I think you need to do it more often without a guest interview to centre the show around Um, I hope you're okay Prof we didn't get to hear too much from you Um, sorry about that Prof that may be another cause of uh, dissent if I I don't let Prof say anything possibly (laughs) (laughs) So, but Prof, look, thank you, Paul, for saying that. Um, I have to say I really agonized over hitting the send button um, on an episode of just Prof and I talking um, with nothing else to to break up the monotony, um, or in the case of last week, just me talking without even Prof to break up the monotony. Um, But it's... uh, I'm, I'm, yeah Prof what do you think I man do you think people actually want to just hear you and I talking or do you think we need somebody to uh who's a little bit more interesting than us
1: I think sometimes if there's a you know a bit of a touchstone issue or uh you know we get in i get in, i guess between the two of us sometimes we we can get into into a zone and just sort of talk about various bits and pieces um and i think if you and I find it interesting then i guess um by transference that other people will find that interesting yeah so yeah maybe maybe you know uh rather than trying to juggle the um uh the restraints and restrictions and and responsibilities of a real job and families and all that sort of thing um and weave this into it um by then trying to you know juggle all the, the guests and um their time restraints and commitments and all that sort of thing yeah maybe sometimes you need to say hey oh, yeah, this this week's just a you know Pete and Matt Just Matt and Prof. Yep.
0: Okay, well, yep. there you go. So, but Paul, thank you very much. If anyone else would like to get in touch with us, uh, editor at uh, brewsnews.com.au. I'm at Matt on Twitter. Um, we're at News on Twitter, Facebook, and uh, other places. Prof, now, I, I never, it, it's at beer blokes, Yep. It's Prof Pilsner, but you're at BeerBlox, so you can uh, get Prof as well. Um, No reviews on iTunes this week, but please, if you enjoy the show, help other people find it. Just jump on board. Just jump online. Let us know how many stars, one to five, very simple system, and maybe leave a comment um, with a little bit of feedback. Let other people know they can find the show. Um, Next week, we promise we will be back um, with another show. Uh, But until next week. Uh, thank you for listening. Too
1: Ah, uh, out.